You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie, and I'm your host, and in the studio with me today is Mr. Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hey, Angie, good day. And today we're going to be talking about a very, uh, I don't know how to describe this. I don't know if you want to say controversial, but it is something that every single one of us deal with, and that's called cultural bias. Yeah, cultural bias is an interesting concept. I was told in uh, when I was pursuing Revive in another state, actually, recently, and uh, one of the pastors that was involved towards the end of the week, he stopped me, and he actually got up in front of everybody, and he shared this uh, this cultural bias that he experienced himself. And he's very evangelistic, totally believes in sharing the gospel, totally believes in discipleship, and yet he learned... As he went through this process, he learned that, you know what, I actually am culturally biased as well. And beforehand, he would have said, oh, no, 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 I believe in sharing the gospel. But when he went out into his own community Hmm. and began to actually walk it out, he realized, of course, through the Holy Spirit, uh, I'm actually culturally biased. So let's talk about what that actually means. What does it mean to be culturally biased? bias. So if you're in America, you live in a culture in America, but are there different cultures in America? Yeah, we're surrounded by different cultures every single day. Exactly. Of course, we're called the the melting pot, right? So we are in, even though we're in the culture of America, the cultures, plural, of America are quite different. Mm-hmm. And so what, what it's talking about, a cultural bias. So if you're in a culture and you experience someone outside your culture, right? Do you have a bias against them? Now, you would like to say that you don't. Right. But I think that everybody does. I I think that we all do. Yeah, I don't know anybody who doesn't immediately have a reaction, a first thought. And I know, you know, when 9-11 happened and everybody was looking at Middle Eastern people differently, immediately you think they're terrorists. I mean, that's just what happens. This is this cultural bias. And... You know, it happens in every different race right. has the same feeling about another race. Right. It does. And so we, even as Christians, right, we would like to say and we would like to think that, uh, oh, I don't have a I don't have a cultural bias because everybody needs Jesus. Right. Yes. Everybody needs Jesus. And we need to get real about that and, yeah, exactly, and, really, right? yeah. and really put that one to the test to see that. Yeah, we all do it. Well, and I think part of what we're going to uncover today in looking at this uh, scripture that we're going to look at, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 10, I think we're going to have to look at this and examine ourselves, uh, kind of look and take a peek in the mirror again. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what Paul is really pouring out here. And the interesting thing, as you opened up here today, Angie, you talked about, and you hesitated with the word, this is a controversial passage of scripture. It is a very common passage of scripture. And the controversy is, you know, well, what is the main point of this? And so I think we'll just get going in this and read it, and then we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Verse 7, I'm reading out of the NLT today because I like some of the way that the phrasings are worded here. But starting in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12, even though I, Paul, have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud... 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and, again, keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is just so much in this that we could be talking about. Let's just start from the top and let's start breaking it down. Yeah. So as we look at this, of course, the debates that we've been a part of, what you are struggling with to describe, Angie, is I've heard literally dozens of theories on what the messenger of Satan or what what the devil was using to buffet Paul, right? Some translations uses the word buffet or to beat his body or whatever. But the interesting thing to me is, is it really about what tool the devil used against Paul? Or was it, is this really about the grace? Yeah, because he, he thinks of it as a thorn in his flesh, but that could be a mental thing. It It could just, it could be a physical thing. It could just be something that continues to remind him of his humanity right, and, and his <laughs> humility. <laughs> yeah, right. Or lack thereof. Yeah, right, and right. I love it here. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why I selected the NLT, because twice it says to keep me from becoming proud. Hmm. And if you think about cultural bias, just that piece, doesn't it really stem from pride? Hmm. Well, this is the way we do it. Yeah. And you don't do it that way. Right. We're, we're right. Exactly. And you're wrong or we're normal and you're not normal. Right. Can I tell you a story? (laughs) This is going to go right along with this. Yeah. And I know I've talked about this in the past, but Walmart is the best place to go and see culture. Cultural. (laughs) And cultural diversity, right? Diversity. Because you're going to get all kinds and you can look around that store. And if you check yourself You are going to look at different people and instantly you put them into a box. Yes. Right. Instantly they're going into a box. If there's a a woman who's yelling at her kids, boom, she gets a box. If there's a guy who's yelling at the lady behind the counter, he gets a box. Right. right? All of these things. If I'm telling you what, it is an eye opening experience to walk through Walmart and ask God to show you what is really happening when. And just thinking about what you're thinking when you're looking at these people. Right. And so I've had this happen before where we've gone into Walmart and I think that person over there could probably use Jesus because, you know, I don't know. They just look like it. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What does that mean? Because you can't look at somebody and say they probably could use Jesus. I mean, we all could use Jesus. Absolutely. But there was another guy who was really causing a ruckus and nobody wanted to talk to him because he, all he did walking around Walmart was just yelling and griping about Walmart. Okay. So nobody wants to engage because that's tough. That's difficult, right? Exactly. But who needed Jesus more in those exactly. moments? <laughs> exactly. Who needs Jesus, Me. right? That's yeah. who needed it because I didn't so have the guts true. to talk to him. <laughs> so there's a cultural bias for you. When you 
make that assumption that somebody doesn't need X, Y, Z, and they look a certain way and you put them in a box. I went up to a lady one time and turns out she was a Christian, but she needed to hear words of life in that moment. So it doesn't matter. Everybody needs to be encouraged. That's the whole point of what we do. (laughs) Right. And it's not comfortable for our flesh. No, it's not. And we always think about what are people going to think of us? And (laughs) I love this teaching that I'm listening to right now because he keeps saying, quit being self-conscious. Quit thinking about yourself all the time. Let's be God conscious instead of self conscious. And I love it. And so everybody, no matter which side of the debate you're on, right, with this passage of scripture, everybody knows how many times did did Paul beg the Lord? Three times. Three I think times. I would have whined a whole lot more than three times. <laughs> I love it because what did it do? What did this buffeting, what did this messenger of Satan in this translation, what did that cause Paul to do? Cry out to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Multiple times, right? <laughs> I need you, Lord. Exactly right. And so isn't that what it's all about? So if you're in Walmart, Angie, and you have a, a limp, right? <laughs> Mm, and it's bothering you when you walk the pain. Like, doesn't it cause you to say, Lord, my leg is hurting, man. And it, what does it do? It brings down the pride. Yeah. Doesn't it? Doesn't yep. it pull it down? Yep. And I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that we all pray for an infirmity. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying the bottom line is this. Let's not focus on what that infirmity was or what that right. thing was or the message, but let's focus on what Jesus said in reply. Absolutely. It doesn't matter what the thorn was. My it grace, was a thorn. My grace is sufficient Absolutely. for you. And so is, in your example, Angie, is his grace sufficient for the person that we looked upon? on and said, well, you need Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. His grace is. But what about the guy that we're afraid to talk to because he's making a ruckus? Mm. Mm. You're speaking to me right now. He could have been in a three piece suit, right? Could have been. It's like, oh, well, he doesn't look like he needs Jesus. Have you ever seen the show? What would you do? And they did this one time and they did social experiments is what they call it. And they took a little girl and they made her all ragged and tattered and stood by herself on a busy street crying. Yes. And nobody would help her. Right. But you clean her all up and put her in a cute little dress. And as soon as she starts crying, everybody wants to help her. her. And she's a child. I'm telling you, we have cultural bias, whether we admit it. We do. And today, all we really want to do is bring that to the forefront. Yeah, we're not trying to create to shame. We all have exactly it. Exactly <laughs> right. But the bottom line is this, we cannot do that. You cannot go in love. And so, you know, Paul ends this whole thing and he says, I take pleasure in my weaknesses now. Cause why? Because it brings down the pride level. Mm, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Like in these weaknesses, I am thankful for them is, is what I hear him saying. I'm actually thankful for that because these troubles that I suffer for Christ, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong again, because now I'm leaning on his grace. Mm. Yeah. What is the best thing that we can offer someone, whether it's the person that doesn't look right in our eyes or the person that's being agitated, What is the best thing that we can offer them? God's grace. Mm. And that whole thorn in our own flesh, remembering where we came from, I think we quickly forget as Christians that we started 
on the other side at one point as That's well. That's it. And God did something really amazing for us. And we can't lose sight of that. I think some of the best people who get out there and share the love of Christ are the ones who have gone through the worst. That's right. Because they know how much they've been redeemed. Scripture says, to whom much has been forgiven, loves much. Yeah. Right? Is the proof of what you're saying right there, Angie. And so the interesting point of this is what this is saying to me is, you know what? It is God's amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Amen. And then so what can we, what is the best thing that we can offer to someone regardless of their cultural position God's or grace. box that yeah. we've put them in. <laughs> right. It is that amazing grace. So we have to stick them in the grace box instead of the, you need Jesus box. Yeah. We all need Jesus. That's a huge sandbox That's for it. all of us to be in. <laughs> and you know, in our way, Angie, like what we do in our method, we say, Hey, how can I pray for you? Now that is not with a exception list. Hey, so if you look right or act right or smell right, then how can I pray for you? No, it is mm. meant to be all inclusive, right? And how do you know really where they stand with the Lord unless you have a dialogue? Amen. This is not something that can be talked about in just one week. Right. We are going to take a little bit more time and talk about cultural bias, but I would challenge everybody to yeah, go wherever it is you go shopping right. and start looking at people, start doing people watching and then listen to your head, <laughs> what right. you think, because it's kind of mind blowing. It really yes. is. Yeah. And then listen to your heart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the, and, and the, the change that God has afforded to us through his grace. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I want to talk about when we talk about this again is okay. We see these people, we put them in a box, now what? So we'll yeah. talk about that next week. It's a great topic that we're talking about out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. It's time now for our testimony. Mark, today we have Kyle Peters. He is a pastor for the Vineyard Church down in Urbana. Kyle's got a lot of really good things to say. And since we're talking about cultural bias, his name came to my head because I don't know anybody else around that just goes for it. Just right. starts talking, right, Kyle? Uh, I hope that you know others. <laughs> <laughs> I might, but you came to my mind. So let's talk about cultural bias. You know, I was saying earlier that sometimes we walk into a Walmart or a place and we instantly look at people and we start putting them into boxes and we really need to check ourselves. Now, is this an issue for you? Have you gone through this? Oh, absolutely. All the time still. Yeah, so it's a it's a constant challenge, right? For us, if we're really a hundred percent honest and transparent, it's a challenge for all of us because all of us have environments that we were raised in, right? And so we were talking, Kyle, about America itself is very diverse in our culture. So we could say the American culture, but that encompasses a lot of things because. America's the melting pot, right? So the way we were raised and the way we were trained and the way our experiences are, if someone's outside of that, right, we we tend to prejudge or judge that based upon if they're not of our culture, like people we would hang with. And so we make prejudgments 
about people that don't look like us, don't act like us, don't talk like us, don't dress like us, all of those things, right? And so one of the things that we want to kind of unpack today, Kyle, and what we'd love to have you share and hear your heart on is how do we really, as Christians, overcome those cultural biases that we really all do face and struggle with? So what would your advice be, maybe even to me, Angie, or, or even yourself, Kyle, like, what would your advice be? Like, how do we overcome cultural bias? I would say not also the assumption that they don't need Jesus, but I struggle often with the assumption that they're not interested in Jesus. Mm. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. And so we often assume that people are not ready, not open, not available. But if we would be willing to take the step, uh, we'll find that people are more hungry for Jesus than we realize. Can you give us an example Uh, of something that you've gone through? Sure. Yeah. I was at a coffee shop. This was probably, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I was meeting with someone and there was a gentleman across the room who had his frozen fancy drink, and he was staring at me. And the look on his face, it my interpretation of the look on his face was he was not happy. He seemed like he was maybe angry at me. I've never seen him before, but it was kind of irritating me and confusing me. And I had kind of, I had this unconscious assumption in my head that that guy doesn't like me, that he's not interested in me. And so I hadn't really considered the possibility that he might be open to ministry. But his, his looking in my direction was so intense that I finally just asked the Lord. And, and this, this is getting to your question, Mark. This is the tool that I use to overcome um, cultural assumptions. Yes. Um, is, Father, how do you see that person? Mm. When you look at that person, what do you see? And I find that to be incredibly helpful because the Father is so honoring of people that, that humanity is, is the peak of creation. And so he holds us in highest regard, high esteem. And for some reason, we carry this assumption about ourselves and other people that, that people are not worthy of high esteem. And we get so stuck on the focus of, uh, of our fallenness, our sin nature, that we miss the fact that we were made in the image of God, that he's placed high value, high honor on us. And so that's been a really helpful tool for me is I recognize that God sees everyone with high honor, even when they're in the midst of brokenness, even when they're in the midst of sin, he doesn't see them that way. He sees them with a heart of love. And so his perception is different. So Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about our perception. And if we have the Father's perception, then we are full of light. And that empowers us to minister, to love other people, regardless of differences, regardless of even openness. So with, with this particular individual, I had, the Lord gave me a picture of him banging his head on a wall. And that doesn't sound very positive at first. Mm-hmm. Lord, what's that about? Why? And he showed me that this guy was banging his head on a wall, and eventually he was able to bust through the wall and move forward. And I felt like the Lord was giving me a picture that this guy, when the Lord looks at him, he sees that he has endurance mm. 
um, that he has resolve and that he's facing a situation right now that's requiring that. He's facing a struggle. And so I just went over and I said, hey, can I share something encouraging with you? And he said, sure. And I shared that picture and I just said, I, I don't know if you have a relationship with Jesus, but I feel like God is showing me that you are someone that endures and uh, that right now you might be in a situation that feels like you're not going to make it through, but uh, you are. You're going to make it through and God is going to help you. And then I asked if I could pray for him for that. He didn't say anything about whether or not that picture helped him. But then later we ran into each other and he shared with me that his wife was dying. Oh my. Um, and he was having to deal, go through that process of caring for her and figuring out what life looks like without her. And he and I still meet together regularly and, and uh, pray for one another and encourage each other. Did you ever ask him why oh, he was staring at you? You know what? I didn't. And I, I don't know that it had anything to do with me. I think that was probably the Holy Spirit either highlighting him to me or highlighting me to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, which it was, I don't know, and I'm not sure how much it matters. But it, to, your, to this conversation you're having about cultural assumptions, I think if we're not able to tune into the Father's heart and the Father's thoughts about other people, then those assumptions shut us down, that we don't move forward in obedience because we've actually, we have a bias against what the Lord is telling us to do that prevents us from being able to hear him. Well, that was an interesting flip. He just opened up a whole nother conversation. Absolutely. We're going against what the Lord is telling us to do. Right. And that is a that is a key phrase right there. We have to remember, we always seem to forget that we're here for this purpose. We're not here to live our life for our own. We are here because God has given us a purpose to reach out and to tell people about his love. Just thinking, uh, what you didn't know is we were looking at Second Corinthians 12 today when Paul's talking about the thorn in the flesh. So it's interesting because we were reading in uh, NLT because twice he says in that version, to keep me from becoming proud, I was giving a thorn in the flesh, right? And then again, he says, and a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. So simply, you know, if, if you would have given in to the cultural bias, the, the temptation, Kyle, to say, well, that guy's looking at you and staring at you, man. And if you gave in to that pride, you could have easily said, well, dude, I ain't going to give you nothing, right? Because what are you staring me down for, right? right? But what you did, right. because again, what we're talking about today is that caused Paul to beg the Lord to take that away three times, right? It it drove him yeah. back to seek the Lord. And that's what I just heard you say. You go, but Lord, what do you want me to, to see in this? Like, what is your heart for this guy? And he answers and says, my grace is all you need. Like my power yeah. is perfect in your weakness. So what you said was, listen, God, I, I know that you love this man. And so what do you yeah. want me to tell him? Right. And you submitted yourselves and you use these tools that we're talking about, Kyle. And you said, listen, Lord, I want to be your instrument of grace. Right. What erases cultural bias? What has the power? Like when when we submit to the Lord's power and we admit we're weak, what is it that allows us to overcome? And that is his grace.
Grace. And that's what I heard you describe. God's grace overtook you because you allowed it to. And then God's grace overtook that man. And now you have a relationship yeah. with that man. And if you didn't resist the temptation to be prideful in it, which it's a natural reaction to us when we're uncomfortable and that guy was making you uncomfortable. Right. And so you could yeah. be just like, no, I don't know what he's staring at, you know, but you, yeah. you came to the father and said, Lord, I need to know your heart. And with that, the God gave you the grace to minister to him. That's awesome. And I love that. I love that. That is the, the perfect response. We were talking just a moment ago. I said, this is something that I want to cover in detail and we can probably still do it next week, but definitely Kyle, that is the perfect response. You had to take a minute and say, okay, what is your heart for this person? I've even heard Sean Bowles, for instance, say, Lord, what is your perfect plan for this person? Where does, what is his, what is his plan for his life or her plan for her life and, or your plan for her life? And so I love that you said that because it's a great reminder to us that we have to check with God. Yeah. And Mark, I love, I love how you bring grace into this, that, that grace is what empowers us to overcome those cultural assumptions. And for me, I have found right along with, with grace is honor. Yeah. And I would say dishonor is a grace inhibitor. Mm. You know, that when we aren't able to honor others, it, it prevents the flow of grace. Yeah. You had to honor that man with your own attention and your own offer of love because you didn't know if he would be receptive or not. You didn't know. You, you can't, again, the same way, you can't look at somebody and know if they're receptive or not. Or even say, well, you know, I don't think they'll be receptive because that's the enemy's always going to tell us, well, they're not receptive to the gospel. But you had to be honoring to him to say, you know what, this is what I believe the Lord gave me and walk that out. And that, that is his grace that empowers us to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So the second thought that I had in that, Kyle, because what we were looking at is we hear all of these discussions about this scripture and everybody tries to figure out what the thorn was. Right. Everybody talks about that. And there's all kinds of theories and you've heard them, too. I think but we the, all have a thorn. Yeah, like we exactly. have to we have to figure out what our thorn is. Right. But the focus that we're talking about today is what you just said, Kyle. It's but what is God's grace? The focus is his grace. Right. It's not the thorn. <laughs> That's hilarious. We focus on the thorn. We so do, don't we? Like, oh, I got this figured out. I know exactly what was bothering Paul. That ain't the point at all because the Lord doesn't tell us what it is, right? Because that's not the point. The point is Jesus's answer to him and my grace is sufficient. And like you said it, how you described it, Kyle, it gave Paul the power to overcome his grace. That's good. Okay, Kyle. So thanks so much for, for sharing your heart with us and, and unpacking this with a real life example of how you were able to overcome this temptation for cultural bias. And any final closing thoughts on this topic today, Kyle? Yeah, absolutely. What comes to my mind is the treasure hidden in the field. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus says the kingdom is like the treasure hidden in the field. And uh, when you find it, you go and you sell everything you have to buy that field. Mm. And I think that is a, a beautiful picture of kind of a two-way street that first and foremost, yes, Jesus is the treasure hidden in the field. And so when we look at other people and engaging other people with the good news of the gospel, 
we never ever have to come to the conclusion they don't need Jesus or they don't need to hear an encouraging word. That is never the case because that is that alone, Jesus alone and encountering Jesus is the means to well-being. He's the treasure. But then the other side of it that I think is really important in this conversation is that I believe that Jesus is also saying that that humanity is the treasure hidden in the field and that Jesus went and sold everything he had to buy it. Wow. And, and so when we approach people, we're not just approaching people with an agenda. We're literally approaching treasure that's been hidden that Jesus is longing to unearth and to purchase. And he purchases them through our obedience and through our taking risks and serving and loving. So I just encourage everybody to just have that perspective of, uh, man, the people that you run into in the store or at the gas station or at work or in your family, they are a hidden treasure. And at the same time, Jesus is a hidden treasure that uh, the two, he's longing for the two to be connected and you get to be a conduit of that. And there's no greater honor. And we're all empowered to do that. I bless you to do it. Amen. And that will erase cultural bias, won't it? That was wow. definitely the cherry on top. That, that was great, was. Kyle. Thank you so much for having a conversation with us today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. Amen. This is Mark Bird, and you are listening to Time to Revive on Shine FM. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at ShineFMOhio.com. We're community-supported Shine FM.